Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 523 on Tuesday, the 2nd of May, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Yes, still no Andrew this week. Um, you know, fingers crossed, back next week. Uh, I, I miss him um, and the challenges that, that the, the slot in which I have to record is pretty antisocial for other people um, because it is right in the middle of the day when they're trying to actually do other work and proper grown up sensible stuff. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's just easier to do it this way. I'm sorry. Um, it, it does mean you get like sort of me for 35 minutes, uh, which is which is bad enough for me, let alone you guys as well. Uh, anyway, this week uh, we'll be hearing about people pushing one another under the Dieselgate bus, finding out what a group hooning event is, uh, and why motorway journeys provide valuable downtime. Uh, but let's start with some follow-up, and yes, the follow-up goes into that first story. Uh, an executive... It's sometimes described as a continental executive, Automotive News Europe are describing him as a technical, describing them even, as a technical project manager, um, as yet uh, unidentified, uh, at Continental, uh, has admitted to involvement in the Volkswagen diesel scandal and incriminated other defendants, um, uh, German prosecutors told Reuters. This is from an Automotive News Europe story. Uh, other accused individuals had contacted the prosecutor's office to make confessional statements, quote-unquote, um, uh, and 60 people are under investigation for aiding and abetting fraud, breach of trust, and aiding and abetting breach of trust, prosecutors said. Uh, Continental themselves have declined to comment. No doubt this one will rumble on. Uh, frankly, it's such a juggernaut. We're going to have real trouble sort of trying to pull it back and, 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 and constrain uh, this this particular one. Uh, one other piece of copy of uh, follow up. Even um, we covered a story a couple of months ago now about uh, Jaguar and um, some folk in Sweden who were making vehicles incredibly similar to the Jaguar C type. It's a kind of strange one. We'll link in the show notes to an article by Matthias Malmsted, uh, who is an IP um, IP lawyer in Sweden. And it, it's seen as a bit of a surprise that last week, Jaguar lost a copyright infringement case uh, against a number of defendants in Sweden uh, concerning the C-Type. And they essentially said, that essentially the Swedish Patent and Marketing Appeal Court found that the high-class quality car manufacturer by passivity had granted consent to car replica manufacturers and manufacturers enthusiasts so basically it's saying that because they didn't do anything for a long time about so many different so many replicas of the c-type uh, they can't suddenly start now uh, and that essentially gives a sort of worldwide ability for, for people to make things that look like a jaguar c uh a jaguar c-type yeah but by just not stopping people in the past they can't suddenly step in uh, and start stopping people now so it looks like uh, we'll only be going back to the Jaguar of 34 years ago and not the Jaguar of 60-something years ago. That brings us to new news. Um, there was a lot of stories last week, uh, quite a lot of places covering it. Uh, the link in our show notes will be to uh, a story from uh, Top Gear uh, magazine. Uh, and because the government, the UK government, is considering a graduated driver license program, uh, or similar. Um, the headline line is, uh, is should newly qualified under 25 drivers be banned from taking passengers? Which, of course, sounds incredibly, uh, sounds very, sounds like nobody under 25 will be able to, to, to drive with passengers in the car. 
It's not quite the way. Uh, when you read further into it, that's not really what they're saying. Uh, they're discussing whether newly qualified drivers should be restricted f- from carrying younger passengers. But that would be for the first year, the first 18, not until, you know, not from the age of 18 through until 25, which is kind of how it's how it's I- I- implied. Um, so the idea is 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 trying to make sure that there's a graduated graduated license. It's not an unusual thing to have, really, globally. I mean, it's a new thing for the UK, so therefore it is a shock and shock to the system. But um, but here in Massachusetts, there's a similar there's a similar rule uh, until uh, whilst you're, I think it's for a year. It's a year or eighteen months after you've passed your uh, uh, once you've actually got your license. Um, if you're a young good driver, then you're not allowed to carry any passengers who aren't members of your family. So you are allowed to carry family members. So you can deliver your brother or your sister or whatever, um, or, or your mum uh, from one place to another. Supposedly what happens then is that whenever the police stop younger drivers and the car's full of kids, uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden people have an awful lot of cousins. Uh, and then that's quite hard to try to sort out. But but it's this is not an unusual thing. Um do I think it's a good idea? It probably is, to be honest. Uh, it gets rid of that somebody goading the other one on. The, the downside is, of course, that it, it goes against all these net zero and fewer people using cars and all that kind of stuff because quite often you end up with if two friends want to go somewhere, then they have to take two cars. Um, and that becomes a little bit... That, that can become a... You know, it, it just adds congestion to the roads. But... Uh, and I don't know if that stops them goading each other on either if there's two friends with, with, with two cars. But it, it's probably less so than, you know, one sitting beside the other going, oh, I could do this corner at 50 um, type of thing. So interesting one. Interesting one. I do think there is there should be some kind of further learning period. I mean, it's not as if you, you pass your test and then you're Arivatanen or anything. Um, and, and, you know, you, you do need some time after passing the test to actually learn how to drive properly on the road and interact with other road users and all that kind of stuff so so we'll see just see anyway next story queensland passes the strictest anti-hoon laws in australia says jalopnik um spectators could earn a six thousand dollar fine for attending an illegal street event uh, that's six thousand um australian dollars so about dinner uh, no, that's not true. Uh, Australian police are well known for their understanding and lenient uh, manner in which they deal with motorists. Oh no, it's the opposite. Australian police are known for being uh, for being for, for for being completely and totally inflexible and 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 not a, not at all a pleasure to deal with. Should you ever have to, um, Queensland is now introduced these anti-hoon laws. So, the first question is, what is hooning? Uh, sound, sound like some judge. Who are the Beatles? Um, so it is illegal street racing, drifting, and burnout events. And I think the key there is illegal. It doesn't just mean that because you're going for a a, a, a slightly a slightly seven tenths drive uh, along a nice road um, that that is not what they're classing as hooning here. It is it is it is it is illegal gatherings and events. Um, so part of this is that you're, it's now going to be an offence to um, organise, promote, participate in one. Um, it's going to be illegal to have uh, license plates in the car, that, the car that they're registered to, uh, even if it, even if 
that they're not on display, which is kind of funny because it means that right at the minute, if my car was in Queensland, it would be illegal because I've got a spare, a second set of license plates um, sitting sitting in the in the in the seat pockets. Um, it's drivers and spectators here can be get uh, can be fined up to six thousand uh, dollars. If you're caught behind the wheel, you can face additional punishment, which includes up to a year in prison, a loss of license, and or your car being strapped. Uh, scrapped as as well uh, not just that but if your vehicle is there and i don't know how this is done i don't know if it's via gps or whatever then uh, then you'll have to prove that you weren't driving uh, the vehicle when the offense was committed there we go in new laws the new in queensland the new laws mean registered owners of cars detected attending hoon must pr- prove that they were not driving the vehicle when the offense was committed so if you take your mum or dad's car they're going to have to prove that it wasn't them doing it. Uh, I think that's where that one that's where that one is going. So there we go. Uh, on the other side, on the flip side, of course, Queensland, you don't have to have an annual roadworthiness test. So so you could be driving any old um, uh, a, a, any old knackered thing uh, on the road. Interesting one there. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, uh, it depends how much of an issue illegal street racing and, and and stuff and stuff is wherever you are i don't really intend on attending one so it, it's not one that's going to be that's not one that's going to be hitting me um, at any time in the near future anyway back to the uk and uh on clark's going to be creating an ev charging network with 23 million pound rapid charger investment so this is going to comprise of two things by the looks of it the first of which is Arnold Clark have sites all around the country. Some of those spent some of those sites spend some time not actually generating any money at night. Um, I was going to say over the weekends, but that's not true. At night uh, and and at times when the dealership part is is closed. So the aim of uh, the, the the initial aim of this is to install around 560 150 kilowatt rapid charge points. The idea is to put four to eight charge points at 80 dealership. Uh, locations uh, across the UK. Uh, the idea is that that as much as possible, this charge network will run twenty four seven. You'll be able to book sessions at the charge points via an app, and uh, it'll be possible to 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 get access to the sites via an ANPR activated barrier system. So you'll be able to book ahead, know that there'll be availability, uh, and and then have have access have sort of controlled access to it, which should help with safety amongst other things. I, I think that that's, I'm always loath to say this about Arnold Clark, but I think that that sounds like a pretty pretty good idea. I mean, the idea is to have it stretching from Inverness to Southampton. I imagine they'll start off with dealerships along the main sort of trunk routes. Uh, so the chief executive, uh, Eddie Hawthorne, uh, is saying that whilst they don't know what the charging rates are going to be yet, uh, they do want to undercut the rate offered by other charging providers. Um, he says, I look at some providers who charge a £2 connection fee, then 70 pence per kilowatt hour and £40 if you overstay, you're welcome. I'm not into that. We want to do things differently. So we'll, we'll just see what what happens there. Also worth mentioning and possibly related to this is that Arnold Clark has uh, has just bought uh, an East Kilbride-based startup called Bumblebee. Um, for well, initial investment of $2.5 Bumblebee lets... Uh, the idea is that it facilitates the installation of community shared EV charge points in flats and housing developments. So it may well be that the two are linked. And, and some of that technology about being able to book a slot, all that kind of stuff may well come through from Bumblebee. So that's that's quite 
quite interesting that one i think it's going to be we've seen the kind of pioneer we are just an ev charging network networks uh and i think that it's going to be interesting to see situations like this where you've got a a dealer network uh, and it's expanding uh, what it does it's a fair it's a, a, a quite a big add-on to the business model really um but i think it's it's interesting that they're, they're even trying um the little rendering up the top which shows no sign of a dealership at all in the background anywhere uh, it does show a number of bays with uh, with roofs and 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 lighting and and stuff so we'll see what happens and just whether or not it is one or two pillars hidden around the back of a dealership or whether it is an inviting looking place to be able to stop makes a lot of sense to have it near your dealerships of course because uh, people come people have to park for 20 minutes half an hour um probably close to 20 minutes but hey they're at your dealership they'll probably want to go in have a walk around have a little bit of a look at what's on show and um and you know that's it's a way of it's possibly a way of driving traffic towards uh towards the dealership Be interesting to see what happens late at night though and, and what there is still available uh, at that point when there isn't someone trying to try, trying to sell you a nissan leaf or something just Eat is to switch its entire corporate sales fleet to electric vehicles by 2025. Uh, we've all heard of Just Eat. Um, it is it is an app which lets us order food. The sales team goes out. The idea is that they visit and engage with uh, more than 68,000 uh, restaurants and grocery stores around the UK. Uh, and it's switching its 175-strong uh, diesel fleet to EVs, obviously, to bid to reduce emissions. It'll have been completely done by 2025. First 12 are already purchased and on the road. And they will all be of Cooper Bournes and Volkswagen ID. Uh, one of the reasons they were chosen was for their long range of more than 260 miles. Uh, that's a, a, a move... I think it's a move we're seeing more and more. A couple of reasons. Partly, it, it looks really good on all your environmental policies. Um, also, there's a better choice of EVs appearing nowadays, uh, which which meet more and more needs, I suppose. Uh, and last but not least, um, it's uh, it's good for the benefiting kind um, as well. If you have a diesel vehicle, it can it can fairly hit you hit you in the pocket uh, as much as anywhere else. Guilt minute. Uh, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. So let's move into new, new car news. Uh, Aura, makers of the Funky Cat, uh, have uh, confirmed that their larger saloon, a uh, Model 3 rival uh, that has the optional four-wheel drive and over 300 miles of range, uh, will be making it to the UK. Currently, it's called the Good Cat in, in China. Uh, this is the model that I jokingly said on Twitter would be called the... Uh, there was, there was, uh, it hadn't been, I think it was, was it Funky Gnu or something I chose? I don't know. Gnus are always funny, that's why. It's just a funny word. Um, so yes, as a Tesla Model 3, Hyundai Ionic 6 rival, uh, it's called the Good Cat in China, uh, where it's been on sale since late last year. Uh, but they're probably going to change it. The name is going to be announced at a later date. Orders will open at the start of 2024. There'll be two battery sizes um, and two and all-wheel drive. 
the most powerful version puts out 394 brake horsepower 501 pound foot of torque and it'll do 0 to 62 in 4.4 seconds because that's really important to everyone um it will feature a range of over 300 miles WLTP. It's got all the stuff you'd expect. Massive screen, face ID opening. Oh, goodness. I'm so glad Andrew's not here for this bit. Uh, opening and starting and a panoramic uh, sunroof, um, ambient lighting, synthetic seats. It was funny to see that. Now, now I'd rather have cloth, thanks. Uh, heated, ventilated seats, massage function also available later and all sorts of things like that. Uh Pricing similarly hasn't been announced, but the Funky Cat, uh, which is smaller, uh, is £32,000. So I'd imagine this one's going to be mid-40s, I would say. Uh, other new news, the Suzuki Jimny. Yay, everybody loves the Suzuki Jimny. Um, you know, it, it's, it has many, many flaws, but it has an awful lot of, uh, an awful lot of, of character. Um Twisted Automotive. So Twisted are well known for uh, putting the wrong engines uh, in Land Rover Defenders. Um, wrong engines, very nice interiors. And somehow making sure they don't just fall off the road. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to start offering a, a conversion on the, the latest uh, Suzuki Jimny. Uh, so this is going to be the first one they ever do, which isn't based on the Land Rover Defender. Um, it should be be great i mean they're gonna add soundproofing they're gonna uh, upgrade the the stereo the audio system the whole interior um they're gonna it's gonna be better handling better power um i just think it sounds great uh, it's all going to be based on the, the obviously the light commercial vehicle um but it's still going to come in at around fifty thousand pounds plus vat and this is plus vat because it's still a commercial vehicle it should be it should be a lot of fun so um that's one to keep an eye on i mean it's 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 i mean it's frankly pointless but I, that doesn't mean i don't love it um I, th I think that's really cute really fun i'm really interested to see what they do with it um i'm one of these people who'd, who'd much rather have a Jimny than a defender so um so yeah I love it. And the one that they've got the showing um, showing in the pictures on the Motion Research uh, site with the, the black five spokes and the, the, the roof tray and everything is, is just pretty cool. So, yay. So before we get to lunchtime read, we're going to take a quick detour via the designer's mood board. Uh, and Tobias Schulman, who uh, we spoke, around, spoke about a very little while ago, has already uh, left uh, Bentley. Uh, and will be joining McLaren as the chief design officer. Sulman will be joining in, well, start his new role in September. Obviously, there must be some a, a period of, um, well, quite a long uh, period of gardening leave in there. Um, but it, the, he'll fill in, which which means it's been over a year since Rob Melville uh, left to to head for a Saudi Arabian EV startup. Yes, yeah, so that again leaves a leaves 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 an empty slot at at Bentley it really is sort of senior 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 automotive designers are being shuffled around like nobody's business right at the minute so we'll, we'll see what happens how soon it takes how long it takes before Bentley announce the next one I, I, I don't know let's just see lunchtime read this week uh, comes from uh, Fleet World editor at large uh, and uh, and also and and also uh, and also motoring podcast sometimes guest host uh, Alex Grant, 
uh, and he's taking a few minutes to to explain to explain just why he feels that the the time that you spent uh, disconnected from tinternet and the socials and work and everything whilst you're driving uh, is 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 a good thing for you uh, and also how worrying it is that people just seem to be breaking that down uh, worth having a worth having a read it's three or four minutes of your time it's a really good piece as as pieces from Alex Alex in, invariably are this week's list of the week is from Top Gear and it's 10 things you need to go off-road uh, this might be slightly self-serving having just bought an off-roader um, it's uh, yeah 10 things it's uh, by Tom Ford who of course well known for sticking lights and crazy stuff uh, on things um but yeah it's a it's a good list it's it covers the right the the, the right kind of stuff some of it's a, a little bit excessive maybe for a a quick uh, a a quick green lane through the through the welsh mountains um but yeah some of it is is still uh, pretty relevant i mean i i have carried sand ladders through wales and i haven't used them so i'll be a little bit quiet about that but um if i've got to choose one thing uh, i'm going to say ropes and anchors and um, uh, and shackles, uh, really. Uh, they are the most important thing for when you when you inevitably get stuck, and then it happens. I mean, I, I even the Vehicle, even I even once got the Vehicross stuck. So so yes, so there's a list of, of ten things. I wouldn't say you needed all of them. Uh, I yeah, I am thinking of getting one of number nine though, just because that lets me drive on the beach, Cape Cod. So uh, and I don't want to try that. I think that'll be fun. So, uh, so yes, ten things you need to you need to go off road uh, from Top Gear. Uh, we'll round off this week with the and finally, uh, and it comes from BBC News. Uh, and drivers in uh, Carmarthenshire, in rural Carmarthenshire, are being warned to remove dentures because of potholes. Uh, a a group of residents who live along. Uh, who live along uh, a rural road which is just nothing but pothole um have put up um have put up some signs uh, and the signs read caution remove dentures adjust bra straps secure your nuts welcome to the worst maintained road in the county courtesy of Carmarthenshire County Council so what they're doing uh, obviously the sign is on private land not on council land uh, and so of course what they're doing is um is basically trying to shame with humor the council into doing stuff so um we we hope that this will this this will help uh and it will mean that the uh mean that the 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 council restores a safe surface um so so yes we'll see how that gets on uh if if there are any updates we shall be the podcast that shares them with you um that brings us to the end of this week. Uh, yeah, um, thank you for suffering me for whatever it's going to be, 20-something minutes uh, again this week. I mean, fingers crossed that Andrew can actually can actually speak again by, by next week. I mean, it must be great for his family, but, but I'm really kind of missing him. I did, don't tell him I said that. Um, but yeah, yeah, hopefully he'll be, he'll be back next week uh, again. In the meantime, don't forget that between now and then, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts, or show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. 
To get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter or occasionally Mastodon, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, to get in touch with Andrew, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter uh, and similarly uh, on, on Mastodon. Uh, we'll hopefully both be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. The person who's not here has been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring.